dealing with this subject, cross the line, cross the line, cross the line. Do I have any line crossers here tonight? Some of y'all like, no, I don't know. I remember one time I was, I was having a, me and my sister were younger, we were fighting, and, uh, and they don't fight like this no more, but we were fighting one time, and my sister said to me, if you really want to fight me, cross this line. And I, I, here I go. And then she punched me in the face. And then, <laughs> and then it was over. I went crying, went crying to my mother. But uh, <laughs> got to be daring enough to cross the line. So we, we, we're going to deal with that. I'm explaining what, 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 what that means to us and how it's going to enhance us to push forward into the things of God for our life. Let me start by saying this, that um, if you're going to be successful in any pursuit this year, any pursuit, anything you're going after this year, if you're going to be successful in it, you're going to have to live at an optimal level of endurance with an optimal level of endurance. You're going to have to have a level of endurance that keeps you pushing even when you don't feel like pushing. You're going to have, you're going to, have to make yourself praise when you don't want to praise. You're going to have to make yourself be faithful when you don't want to be faithful. You're going to have to make yourself push away from the table and come on and, and not eat all that food. You're going to have to make yourself go on a diet. Come on, you're going to have to make yourself eat healthy. You're going to have to make yourself, come on, exercise. You're going to have to make yourself stick with the business. There will be plenty of times, there'll be, there will be plenty of opportunities where, where when you start something, there are going to be opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for you to quit. And with the same amount of vigor that you started with, it will be the temptation for you to quit with. Because when you start something, you say, you all in, come on, like, you're like, come on, let's go, God, we got this. And then three weeks later, you're like, ain't nothing happening, come on, God, I'm just, come on, help me, Lord. And and the funny thing is, everything, every, whenever you start something, there is always an opportunity for the situation when it is not producing anything to preach to you, to make you believe that you should stop. How many of you know that, that a trial will preach to you? That a situation will preach to you and say, that's it, just give up, don't go no further. There's always an opportunity for you to stop and quit and say, I'll do it again later. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I just got to get myself together and then, I, then when I get myself together, then I'm going to be all in. No, you got to get all in while you're in. <laughs> regroup. Somebody say regroup. If you're taking notes, write that word down. That word is vital for you in this season. You have to learn the art of regrouping on the go. You're going to have to learn how to regroup as you're moving. You're going to have to learn how to regroup while you're crying sometimes. But whatever you do, don't quit. Somebody say, I refuse to quit. Come on, say, I refuse to quit. Say it again, I refuse to quit. That means that the enemy is going to try you at the level of the last, at the last place that you gave up at. If the last time you only went, a, you, you, you know, you're fasting or you were, you were dieting or you were working out and exercising and three days in you was like, I don't want to do this no more. Then, then, then the hurdle you have, to, you have to fight against is the three-day hurdle. Yeah. You're going to have to beat those three days in order to overcome them. Right. And a lot of us, the, the issue is, that, is, is not that we don't start. The issue is that we quit at the same place every time. You're a fighter. It's in you to fight. You just quit at the same place. I'm fighting. You got the fight in you. The fighter is in you. You just, it, it, watch this. It has become a habit for you to quit at the same place every time. It's, it's like a lot of us, a, a lot of us get on fire for God until our money acts funny. 
We're going to fight for God. Come on. Right about February, your fire starts heating up because you know tax time is coming. Lord, I thank you. Oh, glory. By April, the same week of taxes. No, leave it alone. So let me give you a biblical definition of, of endurance. Endurance. Say, I have to endure. The word endurance, it means to hold up courageously under fire. To hold up courageously under fire. That means that you're going to have to keep your courage. You're going to have to stay in the race even when the enemy is shooting everything at you. When he's hitting you with everything that he has, you're going to have to watch it. Some of us, if we could be honest, some of us have been wounded, but we kept going. You, 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 you really can't be considered a warrior until you've gotten hit, but you keep going. Amen, somebody? So, so why, why am I talking about this? Why, why are we talking about endurance and holding up under, under fire and doing those things? Because you need, you, you're going to have to learn how to hold up under pressure. Watch this. Why? Why do I need to learn how to hold up under pressure? Because everything that you're called to and for everything that you're called to, you will not be able to hold up under pressure if you don't know where you're going to. Where am I headed to? What is it that God has for me? What's the vision? We talked about this on Sunday, that a vision is a picture that, that, that allows you to live. It's a picture that brings life to you, that causes you to say, you know what? There's something I'm after. Anybody after something this year? Come on. I want, I want more than just, than, than, than just to have a couple of more dollars. I want to pay off my debts. I want to be, come on. I, 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 I want to save and accrue some money. I want to have something that, that, that I can live off of. Come on, say something to me. I want a business. I, watch this. And, and then that's natural. Spiritual, I want to be who God called me to be. I want to operate in, out, out of the gifts and the callings of God in my life. I want to be able to help somebody. I want to disciple somebody else so that they can know who Jesus is. If you don't have a picture and a vision in front of you, Jerry, a lot of people, a lot of people are operating off of head knowledge, but not out of vision. And so, and so if you don't have a, if, if watch it, some, some of y'all got to get in prayer this week and say, Lord, I need a vision for where I'm going next. Give me a picture. Let me see it in my dreams. Let it, let, let come on. You know what? Put your, put, put your Bibles down. Raise your hands up. I, I want us, I want us to, to really do this confession like, and, and say this. Say, Lord, give me a vision. That will transform my life. Come on, say, Lord, give me a vision that will transform my life. Now shout this. Show me what's next. Come on, shout it again. Show me what's next. Say it again. Show me what's next. Now, a lot of us, this is, this is going to be the template for how you're going to start praying. This has to become the template for how you start praying. A lot of us spend our time praying, God, give me work a miracle. Give me, give me some money. God, take these people out of my life. And all of that is fine in this place, but what good is having the people out your life if you don't know where you're going? What good is having money in your life if you don't know what to do with it? God only gives you the provision for the vision. And a lot of us, a lot of us, the reason why God can't bless you more is because you don't have a vision. All right, so uh, write this down if you're taking notes. Location is key for every assignment. Location is key for every assignment. You can never do anything if you don't get to the right place. If you don't get to the right place, you'll never be able to do anything that God called you to do. The right place in your mind. The right place in your life. Some of you, some of you you're living in the wrong place. Okay, I'll leave that alone. God is, say this, God's trying to get me somewhere. 
Say it with some gusto. Say, God's trying to get me somewhere. Now, how many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that God, God, God didn't just call you and save you just for you to just come to church? All of this is to put a fire underneath you because your life has to be in a certain place so that God can really bless you. God wants to do something big for you and in you and through you. Go to 1 Kings 17. Write it down. 1 Kings 17. And in 1 Kings 17, Elijah tells King Ahab that there's not going to be rain or dew according to my word. And it's not going to rain and there will be no dew until I say it's going to rain again. Right after releasing his word, the king wants to kill him. For all my prophetic people, every word you release, it, it, it doesn't mean that after you release the word, people are going to celebrate you. Sometimes you're going to release the word and people are going to say, you know what, I hate you. Bible says that Ahab wants to kill him, but God intervenes. Look at what happens. God intervenes, and he tells him this in verse number three, uh, 1 Kings 17 and 3. He says, go to the east. I'm reading from the New King James. Go to the east. As a matter of fact, I think it's NLT. Go to the east and hide by the brook Cherith. What is he telling him? Get to this location. Say, location is part of my assignment. He tells him, get to this location, the brook of Cherith, verse 4, and drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. Watch this, for I have commanded them to bring you food. God is saying to him, your sustainment, Elijah, in a, is, is, watch this, in this season is, is going to come from a place where I'm going to have to hide you in and I'm going to hide you in a specific location. Get there. Get to the place where I can hide you. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. What is it? It's a place. It's a place. For everything that God wants to do in your life, you have to be in the right place. Lord, come on, just, just declare this. I won't be out of place again. Oh, glory to God. Some of you, you're going to have to fight to get to the place where God wants you to be at so that he can open up windows in heaven and pour you out a blessing and bless your life because if you don't get to the right place, you won't get the right blessing. God is telling him, I have a sustainment for you in this place. Why? Because location is key to your assignment. All right, let me show you another one. Uh, in, in, matter of fact, in the same chapter, verse number 7, it's 1 Kings 17 and 7. Watch this. But after a while, the brook dries up. The place, the place that was his sustainment dries up, which says that God, watch this, anytime he wants to take you to, a, to another place, that means that, that, that the blessing that, that has been in this place is about to dry up. You ever been, you ever, has anybody ever lived in a house or, or just li live, live, lived in a place or had a car or something and it was wonderful for a season but then it starts giving you trouble and you're like, Lord, I didn't take this thing to the mechanic 85 times and the mechanic said, ain't nothing wrong and you're like, there's something wrong because they put putting when I push down on the gas. Something wrong here but they can't find nothing wrong with it. What is happening is God is trying to change the season. I'm living in this place but it seems like I, I just don't have no creativity here no more. I didn't pray and cast out every devil and came up against everything, been put, put the angels on every wall, but it seemed like nothing here is working here. Why? Because you can be in a place where God sent you to that was a blessing. But because he has something next for you, he'll let the place that was a blessing dry up. The issue with a lot of church folks is that we have gotten attached to stuff that has gone dry. You... We are, we are so sentimental. 
we're packing up some stuff. We, you know, we, 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 we're going to move and, doing, and doing, doing some other things. And, and, and one, of the, one of the things about moving, one of the things about, about getting ready to move is you got to get rid of garbage. You got to get rid of stuff. Thank God we've been doing this for years. We, we have been getting rid of stuff. But, but even with all the stuff we've gotten rid of, we, I found out that we got more stuff that we need to get rid of. Right? And the stuff, the stuff that we're getting rid of isn't necessarily garbage, watch this, but it just can't go with us to the next place. It's not, everything that you're carrying is not junk. Some of the stuff you're carrying is just not conducive. Got to get rid of some wall paintings. Why? Because the decor in the new house doesn't match the stuff from the old house. It doesn't mean that the stuff we had on the walls here is bad. It just means that it's not going to match where we're going. Anytime God's going to take you to another place, you're going to have to reevaluate what you're taking with you. Who's coming with me? Do I need the crowd to come or is God just going to give me a Peter, James, and John? How often do you evaluate from season to season, from glory to glory, and from faith to faith, what you're bringing with you and who you're bringing with you? A lot of us have, watch this, we, 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 are, we are connected to dead things, so when we go into new places, everything stinks in a new place. Things stink in a new place because you bought dead stuff with you. I'll leave that alone. He says, um, but after a while, the brook dried up, verse 7. And watch this, why? Because there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now, this is the same no rainfall that he prophesied. He prophesied ain't going to rain, but at my word. So why doesn't he prophesy rain? Because he hasn't been released to do it yet. So watch this. What do you do when you are living in the tragedy of your own prophecy? Watch this. This is what happens. He said it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain again, but God hasn't released him to say it's going to rain. And the place where he's drinking from supernaturally, ravens are coming, bringing him food. God says, this place is over. It's done because your time here is over. I'm going to take you to a new place. Because I have another level of provision for you that you don't even know is about to hit your life. Okay, watch this. Uh, Then watch this, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Everybody say this. Say, location is key to assignment. Look at this. Every place God sent him, both locations, was God's way of feeding his servant. Every place he went, God said, I'm going to feed you there. And when there dries up, I'll, I'll, I'll send you to another place. Why? Because you'll never be without. Tell yourself that tonight. I'll never be without. Come on, declare it. I will never be without. See, a lot of us put so much credence in our jobs. We put credence in our businesses. We put credence in so many things that when God is really trying to bless you, you're trying to make something happen with your job. You're trying to make something happen with your business. You're trying to, you're trying to start something new. And what God is saying is that this is not it for you. I am your source. And, and this is what it do. He will, he will on purpose cause everything to dry up where you are because he wants the location to move. The blessing was never the job. The blessing is the source. So, so the question is, who's your source? He says, uh, watch this. God will do this. He'll bless you at one place. He'll feed you at a certain place. 
and then he'll break you at that place. Watch this. Only to launch you to another place to feed you, take care of you, break you there. Why? Why? Because the real thing is that God wants to launch you from a place where all of you is gone. He wants to launch you from a place where all of your pride is gone. Look how, look how quiet I got. All your arrogance is gone. All of your excuses are gone. I would do the will of God, but I got a lot going on in my life right now. But so you, know, you know what's going to happen? God's going to let everything that you're relying on right now dry up. And he's going to take you from that apartment to another apartment. And he's going to say, let's try it again. Do you trust me? Yes, Lord, I trust you. All right, do this. Do this. Wait here. We don't like that kind of stuff because we're like, Lord, I need to see progress. I want to see some moving. I want to see some money being made. I, I got to make some moves. I can't just be sitting around. Sometimes God will just tell you, wait here. Wait here. What am I waiting on? Just wait. What do I do? Just wait. You're like, wait? What am I waiting? Just give me some answers. Tell me something so that I can have a knowing. No, no, no. The issue is that we want to know too much too soon. So we want God to give us the whole, the whole picture, the whole spiel, because what we really want to do is I want to have control to evaluate whether or not I feel waiting on you, God, is worth it. Y'all don't want to talk to me tonight, but that's exactly what we want. We want, see, you don't want information because you want to grow in the kingdom. You want information so you can evaluate whether or not you want to trust God's system or not. And this is why God doesn't say a whole lot. He don't say much because if he told you why you had to wait, you would get arrogant before you got the blessing. If, now hear me, if God was really going to show you what, what was going to hit your life in this next quarter we're about to go into, some of y'all now, God would have to rebuke you and cut you down because you would already get in your flesh. You'll start telling folks, I don't need you. I got it. By, I don't need your little 10 cents. I'm about to be a multimillionaire. He showed me. I know what's coming for me. And, and, and for a lot of us, God don't show it to you because he knows a lot of us can't handle where we're about to go. So he'll send you to another location in your life to work on you, to cut you, to operate on you, to take the junk out of you. And he'll humble you in a place, watch this, where he has to take you meal to meal. One of the hardest things to do is to have food and have water and have money. And then God calls a drought. And God said, is everything going to shut down? So how am I supposed to live? By every word. <laughs> Anybody ever been there before where God, you've, it seemed like so, everything was flowing, then all of a sudden everything's going, Phew. you're like, wait a minute, okay, God. I get that you're, you're trying to build my faith, but the truth of the matter is that you need to tell me something. Because I went in a month from everything to nothing. What's going on here? What God, what God is trying to do is he wants you to go meal to meal. And God will do that. If he, if he did it to the prophet, believe me, he'll do it to you. <laughs> he's got to go, go meal to meal, water to water, 
from the mouth of a raven to his mouth. What was God doing? He was, he was dealing with him and reminding him, you can't be picky when you're in a drought. Oh, y'all don't like that stuff. I'm supposed to have choice blessings. The choice you got is from the raven's mouth. Okay, I'll, I'll leave y'all alone. Oh, Lord Jesus. His, his, watch this. So God says, I'm preparing you now. I'm shutting down the brook because I'm taking your faith to another level. I want you to go to Zarephath over there next to Sidon. And I want you to go. There's a widow woman over there that I've commanded to take care of you right now. Watch this. His location taught him how to get ready for what God was going to do in his life after this. Go to, uh, write, write this down, Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, Jonah 1, because I'm, I'm going to show you this in a couple of places, how location is key to assignment, how God will shut you down in one place in your life because it's not so much that the place is wrong as it is that your heart isn't. Okay. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1, I'm going to read it to you from New King James. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now notice this, every time God said, move. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. This, in, this in, 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 in this instance, God tells him, leave the comfort of your home and go to a city and tell the city the city's going under. I'm going to put you in a dangerous predicament, Jonah. I want you to, I want you to go and prophesy to the whole city and tell this cry out against this city tell the city that they're wicked imagine somebody imagine somebody standing on your corner preaching up to your house every day the Lord said you're wicked hey Ray Ray Pookie John John please come over here and deal with this dude here in front of my house beat him down and so I need some rest nobody wants to hear they're wicked Nobody wants to hear they're jacked up. Daily. Watch this. I don't have time to get into that whole story. But eventually, first he says no. After a series of events, he says, okay, God. He does this, watch this, and the Bible says that God's heart turns and says, I'm going to spare the city because of how they received the prophet. Oh, God. So watch this. You mean to tell me... I could have had this reaction the whole time. What happens when God tells you this is what I want you to do, but inside of you, you don't want to do it? All the calamity that Jonah went through, all the stuff he says, he, you know, the, 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 the boat's going through stuff, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Who's the problem? Jonah says, I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. <laughs> the problem is right here. Just throw me over. Y'all will all be saved. It's me. I'm the issue. Anybody felt like that? I'm the problem. I already know. You ever been in a relationship with somebody and things just start going crazy? You're like, it's me. I'll be telling you right now, it's me. I already know what's going on. Anybody been there before? Like, it's me. Just let, let's just end this here. It's me. For everything that God has called you to do, you can never do any of it being in the wrong place. So the devil's been trying to stop a lot of us. 
All year long, the fight of the enemy has not been for the enemy to get you to sin as much as it, as much as, 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 as it has been for the enemy to get you to be in the wrong place. Got a right, got, you got the right promise, but you're, you're too far behind the promise to get the promise because you're out of place. So the enemy will use people. Uh, come here, Shaq. Come here. Come here. And so what happens is, is like, We'll be over here kicking it, and the whole time I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting to know them. And yo, yeah, this is good. I've never had a brotherhood. I've never been around brothers. I've never had this kind of thing. So my heart is getting connected to them. When the truth of the matter is that the more, I, and, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have earthly relationships, but what I'm saying is that distractions do this to you. In the beginning, we're just we're just getting to know each other. It's fun, but eventually he comes here, and he comes here, and and turn turn towards me. And what happens is now, all of my time is being spent with this, that I'm missing that. I can't see what's next, and I can't get to the right location, because I'm I'm enamored with what this is doing for me. Thank you. you. When you have voids inside of you that have not been resolved, the enemy will send people to fill voids that you really need to be delivered from. He'll send people on assignment to help fill voids. Watch this. Because the void being filled causes you to stop. A lot of the voids that are filled that are, and filled by the wrong people in the wrong season are just sent by the enemy to get us to be enamored with receiving love that we never got. My mama wasn't there. My daddy wasn't there. Didn't have a family atmosphere. So now people are coming around. The attention of this thing is causing me to be distracted from getting to the right location. Yes. I don't care what anybody says. We've all been in those kind of predicaments where, where something or somebody was so close to us that we couldn't see around them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lord. And what God wants to do in this season is God wants to move every restriction to your sight. He wants you to be able to see what's next for you because it's about, somebody say this, it's about timing. Being at the right location is about timing. It's about how, how long do I stay here, God? How, how, long, how long do I live at this house? Hear me, I know you got, you got a mortgage. I know all that, but Lord, what do you want to do? I know you just, you just, got, you just signed a new, new lease, but Lord, what do you want to do? We, the reason why we don't, we don't live like this, and we don't like living like this, is because you have to be, you have to trust God more than you trust the paper. Ooh, Jesus. You're going to have to trust God more than you trust your instincts. And it's hard work. Because the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own own understanding. How often do we go by what we think we know rather than what God is saying? We miss what God is saying because we think we know. 95% of the time, you don't need nobody to interpret nothing for you. You don't need nobody to give you interpretation of tongues. You don't need nobody to give you prophetic word. You need to just trust God and listen. I don't hear the voice of God. You hear him. You just don't want to hear him. He said, my sheep, Lord, help me here. Know my voice. 
And stranger, a stranger, they won't follow. Watch this. If his spirit is in you, then you, then you innately know his voice. You know his voice. You just don't want to hear his voice. Like, like a lot of us now, be honest now. Come on, be real honest. Come on, it's not even Easter Sunday. Be honest. It might be a lot on Easter. How many of y'all love God? The whole church be like, yeah, you ain't going to see them no more. Be honest. How many of you in this room can honestly say that when you were making some decisions in your life between last year, this, this time, and this year, his, his hands already, he's like, yeah, here you go. Between last year, this time, and this year, making decisions, you knew what God was telling you to do. You just didn't want to do it, honestly. My hand is up too. My hand is up too. Be honest. So watch this. Every, every person in this room hears God's voice. We know exactly what God wants us to do. Now, how do I know you hear God's voice? Because you know his word. And his word is his voice to you. So if you got a Bible, you can hear God's voice. If you can hear the preaching of the gospel, you can hear his voice. If you have a prayer life, even if it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, sleep, you can hear his voice. Your prayer life is in a coma, but you can still hear his voice. Because even in a the coma, they can hear people talking. Y'all talking to me. Come on. Come on. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You can hear God's voice no matter what season of life you are in. You hear him. You just don't want to hear him. Because hearing God's voice and him telling you what to do versus what you want to do is a conflict of interest. You're like, Lord, but come on, let's, let's reason. Ain't no reason about this. Some of the stuff you want to reason with God about is the stuff that God said, I don't want to reason about. This is what I'm telling you to do. Okay. So why am I talking about location and all this stuff? Because God, God, say this, say this, say this, God wants to break every limit in my life. Come on, every place that you have, you have made a limit I only make thirty-two thousand a year. I don't. I don't have. I don't have much more. Much more skill than this. It's a limit you've imposed. I don't even know what. I don't know what business to start. I don't even know what I'm gifted and talented in. You're making excuses. It's a self-made limitation. That that you think you can only go but so far because that's what society says. Like if you don't have a mama and a daddy that makes $150,000 a year or more, you ain't, you, there's no way you can make it. Hear me. Them days have been over. Yeah. Bible said if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And what happens? All things pass away. All things become new. And the reason why a lot of us can't even receive words like that is because as a man thinketh in their heart. And what do you, what do you spend your time thinking about? How often do you spend your time thinking that God sent me to this location? And Lord, are the ravens still feeding me? Do I still have the water of your word? Oh, Lord. Because, because this is what we do. We get greedy because we want more than what the ravens bring in. That's all I get. That's all you're bringing me is a couple of pieces, couple of pieces of fish. Man, I want some bread. I want some mac and cheese. Come on, Jesus. You mean you mean to tell me that you mean to tell me that that, that the raven that you supplied couldn't kill a wild boar? Come on, brother, can't get no ham up in here, nothing, you know? Like a lot of us, a lot of us, watch this. A lot of us 
are used to an appetite that God doesn't want us to have. Under my seed of a... The appetite that has been created has been an appetite. Watch this. What the Bible says, your, your, your belly becomes your God. Not just naturally, but for the things of sin. Anytime that you want to fulfill the lust of your flesh, your, your belly has become your God. And watch this. A little bit no longer appeal, appeals to you anymore. Why? Because the more, the more you get, the more you want. So what, this is what happens. The purpose behind sin is not just the enemy trying to get you to go to hell. The purpose behind sin is, is for the enemy to get you, watch this, to feel like you got to have your way all the time. That's the real purpose behind sin. God, can, God, God knew before he made you that you want to have all these proclivities in your flesh. God knew you before you knew you. God knew you before your parents knew you. God knows everything about you. And it doesn't, it, watch this, he ain't running from you. People have run off from you from the stuff you've done. But God ain't running off on you. So why does the enemy keep trying to tempt you with sin? Because if he can get you to always go after your way, then what happens is your will gets fed and his will never gets fed. God's will, that is. So when Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done, it was a template for the Christian church to, to rise up to understand that if, I'm gonna, if God's way is going to be the way and his will is going to be the way, then I'm going to have to die to mine. You know what that means? You're going, watch this. God don't have to tell you no. In certain seasons, you. Come on. You with your Applejack head. You're going to have to tell yourself no. You're going to have to say, look yourself in the mirror and say, this is not conducive to where I'm going. In certain seasons, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get rid of some telephone numbers. Come on. Y'all real quiet tonight. In certain seasons, you can't go and hang out with everybody for lunch. Are these people going where I'm going? It's a difference between, because this is what people say, how, how am I going to win them if I ain't around them? <laughs> if you're around them and you're not witnessing to them, then there's nothing to win. <laughs> and if, now, now watch this. You can witness without talking and your life can be a witness, but if I'm around you and I'm laughing at what you're laughing at and I'm into what you're into and I'm in, watch this, and I am intrigued. Y'all gonna talk to me. I am intrigued by your sin. I'm living out my fleshly desires through your stories. Then what happens is, what happens is, a lot of us don't have to sin because we sin through other people's stuff. It's like a parent living out their dream through their child. Join the football team. I don't play football. You're going to play football, boy. You're going to be a cornerback, and you're going to, come on. That's what you want to do, sir. I'm going to take you to ballet. I don't want to do ballet. I want to play basketball. No, no, no. That's the mama. You ain't playing no ba basketball. I got you a tutu. The issue is the mama wanted to be a ballerina, and it never worked out. Some dreams, you're going to have to say, they're over. We don't like that because we think God gonna resurrect and you're gonna be at, at 45 years old. Don't mind. Come on, some some dreams, some dreams were your dream, but it wasn't God's dream. And you can't hold God to stuff that you wanted that never came. 
that's a hard pill because the church gets upset with God because I wanted and God never let it happen. You know how many, you know how many, people, I, you know how many people that we've counseled and they're mad with God because they wanted to marry this person or they wanted this house or they wanted that car and they did everything right and God should have opened that door for them. You know what I tell them? If God didn't open the door, it wasn't for you. If God didn't open the door, it wasn't for you. I don't care how much you desired it. And, 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 then, and then they start praying against the, the, the girl, starts praying against another female who they thought got their husband. Now you, now you, start, now you start messing up. Now you start moving in, in, into being covetous because now I'm after what I believe is mine. But the truth of the matter is that if that was yours, God would let him come to you. If that was your house, then, the, then this person would have never moved in there. You desired that place. Or, or maybe God is going to give it to you in another season of your life. But if we don't spend any time, watch this, in conversation with God, you never know what God is up to if you don't talk to him. And we got a lot of Christians that are mad at God for no reason upset with God why wouldn't you do this I fasted and prayed good now your flesh is under subjection now get your attitude right because now you got power over you <laughs> and let's move forward why am I saying that because a lot of people can't go to the next location because they're crying over the last location you're crying over stuff that God never intended for you to stay in or have so when it comes time for something new we don't have any determination we lack the determination because we why are you still crying over Saul why are you crying over, over, over somebody I took my hands off of? Why are you crying over something, watch this, that was only meant to get you to a certain point? Oh. And this is what the church does. We cry over stuff until God has to come and tell us, Israel, stop crying over Moses. Moses, my servant, is he's gone. Sometimes God has to tell you it wasn't meant to work out. It's gone. It's dead. It's finished. Ain't no resurrectedness. You can't fast and just come back to life. Now, for a lot of us, that, that hurts. Because there's some stuff we just believe that God was going to see our sacrifice. David, oh Lord, I don't even want to. David had a baby with Bathsheba, killed, killed Bathsheba's husband, and, and, and the baby dies. But David is fasting and praying, Lord, save the baby, save the baby, save the baby. And God tells him, get up, take off your sackcloth and ashes off your head, stop your fast and go eat. Because this baby's going to die. You sold the wrong seed to get what you wanted. You got a baby, but the, you got the baby the wrong way. Come here, Abraham. Oh, Lord, help me. You got it, but you got it the wrong way. And when what you get the wrong way doesn't prosper, you can't be upset with God. Get up and eat. Because now it's a new day. I'll leave, I'll leave that alone. Uh, so so uh, let, let, me, let me give you this definition for the word line. Line. If we're going to cross a line, you got to know what a line is. A line, L-I-N-E. There are many um, dictionary definitions for a line, but this one got me. A line is a string, a rope, or a cord that's used to establish a limit. 
a string, a rope, or a cord that's used to establish a limit and is used to prevent others from advancing. So the line is what the enemy uses to keep people from advancing. It's like an imaginary rope that you can't, can't push past. It's like a cord that almost binds you to a season to keep you from going to another level. It keeps you at a limitation. So, so lines deal with three things. Write this down. Lines deal with three things. Y'all don't have this in the back, but a line deals with, lines deal with three things. Lines deal with barriers, hindrances, and limitations. Lines deal with barriers, hindrances, and limitations. Let me say it again. Y'all need me to say it again? Y'all good? All right. So, so when, you, when, you, when you stay behind these lines, the barriers, the hindrances, the limitations, when they keep you behind them, it keeps you back from achieving something that God has said, I want you to go there, and this is what I want you to do. You can't ever get there when the line is, is in front of you. And you take no steps to cross the line. Right. Write down 1 Samuel 30. I'm going to show you this in the Bible. I'm going to show you this in the Bible. I've read, I've, I've preached 1 Samuel 30 maybe over the last 15 years, maybe like 40, 50 times. David Ziglag. I preach this message so many times. I can go verse by verse, quote it, and preach every verse to you, every Hebrew word of every word of the verse in 10 verses straight. And I never, ever saw the line until the Lord opened this up to me today. 1 Samuel 30 and 10. But David pursued. He and 400 men. For 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. I've read this and read this and read this, and I never saw it as a line until I, until I kind of got the definition and began thinking about it. The Holy Spirit said, Besor was a line. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Besor. So the brook of Basor became a line of sorts to keep 200 men from getting what God said was theirs. All of us are going to deal with the brook of Basor line. At some point in your life, there's going to be a, a line that the enemy is going to tell you is a limitation for you that you cannot go past. Tonight, hear me. You're at a line. Right now, you are standing at a line. If you faint, if you lose hope, if you lose your confidence, if you lose your trust in God, if you have no resilience for the pursuit, you'll never cross the line. Most people shout when they get a word. Oh, God told me that this is my year. I'm at a line. I'm crossing the line. Oh, glory to God. That sounds good. But if you look at verse 8 of 1 Samuel 30, it says, so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, look at what he says, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. That's what most of us would have started dancing. Woo, without fail, I'm going to recover all. Who got the word from God's mouth to me is I'm going to without fail recover. Now, if God says without fail, you're going to recover. Most of us only think about that part. Without fail, you will recover. So you're like, it's done. At this point, I got a word. In the words of T.D. Jake, I got a word. Most people stop at a word. 
And although the answers, answers to victory are in the word, we don't go further than we should because we don't put the work in. They got the word. Without fail, you're going to recover. But what you miss is that God told them to do, to do three things. What did he tell them to do? Number one, pursue. I've been saying since January 1st, anything that God said is yours, go after it, roll up your sleeves, and don't be lazy this year. How many of you heard me say that this year? If you didn't, you heard it just now. Go after it with tenacity, determination. Remember what we said last week and the week before that. Determination is a mindset. It's a mindset. It's how you view what God has said to you. It's the picture in front of you. But it's also the mindset that says, I won't stop until I get it. God tells him to do three things in order to have everything at the end of this and overtake them and, and, and without fail recover all. Three things. First, he said, everybody say pursue. pursue. He said, what, now what does pursue mean? Go after them jokers. Go after them. Get your stuff. Sniff them out. Find out, watch this, where the enemy is holding your stuff at. Find out where you let go at. And go back to that point and get a victory. Where's the last place that you lost your, 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 your zeal and drive for God at? In what season of your life did you stop praying with tenacity? Where did you get lazy in the spirit? Y'all don't want to hear this tonight. Where, where, where did you lose your joy? Where's the last place? That, what's the last thing God told you to do? Have you completed that? If not, pursue it. Find out where that place is at. Some people, watch it, some people, some people, some people are going to find out that when you pursue that, when you go back after and find out the place where you lost your joy, lost your zeal, lost your determination, lost your fight, lost your praise, lost your prayer life, lost the things of the spirit, that place for you is going to be a place where God was trying to promote you at. <clears throat> so a lot of people, not just, watch this, in order to do, the, in order to pursue, you need a prayer life. And you're going to need patience to ask God, take me to the place where, because where, right now I'm in you, but I just don't have the joy of my salvation. I don't have it anymore. See, you got to be honest. You got to be honest. See, a lot, a lot of Christians don't get nothing, they, they, they don't get anything from God because they're not honest with themselves first. So, so. When I feel, and I've been there, when I feel myself, when I feel like the love for the things of God is dwindling and it's becoming a chore, because let me tell you something, if you don't stay on top of your spiritual life, you'll get there. Coming to church will be a chore, working in ministry will be a chore, having a prayer life will be a chore, witnessing will be a chore, everything that concerns your life and God will be a chore. But isn't it something that work never feels like a chore, you just don't want to do it though? Why? Because there's a benefit behind it that you want. So the question is, uh, and the statement is, a lot of us have lost a lot of things and our, our zeal and our things zest for God because we see no benefit behind what we do. So, so my job is studying, preaching, teaching, counseling, you know what I'm saying, casting vision, doing what God's calling me to do. If I view that as a chore... Like a lot of my constituents, and I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of preachers that I know, 
They only are in it for the money. Get my check. Pay me. I didn't preach. I didn't did my part. Get my money. I'm going home. Forget all of them. I know, I know pastors and I like that. They're not none of my friends. But I don't hang around people like that. But I know them. I've heard this kind of talk before. They, they, they're, they're not doing this because they love God's people. They've gotten hurt by the church. They've gotten hurt by leadership. They've gotten hurt by people. So they shut their emotions off to the church, off to people. And this becomes the job that you better pay me for. Otherwise, I'm going to find another place. They've lost the joy. And when I talk to them, I say, hey, man, where, where did you, when did you become a hireling? And where did you lose the love for God's people? And most times when I talk to them and we start talking, a story will pop up. These three people did X, Y, and Z to me. They talked about me. They hurt my wife. They did blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I was like, I ain't letting y'all do that to my family. Forget all of y'all. So guess what? I shut down. That's where the problem is. Believe it or not, people in the pews are like that too. You're going to come to church, but I ain't getting too close to nobody. Y'all don't like like me. Come on. Somewhere you got hurt. Somewhere, and it might not have been in the church. It might not have come from church hurt. It might have just been natural hurt, family hurt, personal hurt. Relational hurt, marital hurt. But but watch this. What happens is, based on who hurt you and what hurt you, the level of it, you shut down to everybody. So watch this. There's no benefit that comes. Am I boring you? Y'all all right. So, so, So there's no benefit that comes from what you're doing, and the enemy fights you and says, give this up. Why are you pushing? Why are you pushing? Your heart really ain't even in this. Remember what I said on Sunday and last Tuesday. When your heart isn't connected to something, it's very easy to quit. So I don't come to church to preach to numbers. I don't come to church for your, and preach for your amen. It's beautiful when you give me an amen. That's wonderful. Let me know I'm on the right track. But I don't preach for that. I don't study so I can get up here and sound like I got something to say. Watch this. My first level of study is for me. So I'm studying because I got needs for myself. I got issues that need to be dealt with. So my first level of study is for me. My second level of study is because there is a, there is a conglomerate of people. There is a, there is a congregation of people and God wants to take us somewhere. So based on what's next for us, my next level of study is how do I get us there? Does that make sense? Now watch. Hurt, church hurt, family hurt, people hurt, tiredness, anger, rage, anything anything that has wounded your soul is going to cause you to shut down to staying open to the things of God. Any kind of soul wound is going to fight you from being open to the things of God. Hurt. You, you were molested when you were a child. You was raped. Your mama left you. Your daddy left you. you didn't, your, your siblings took your clothes and ran off. And all kind of crazy stories, right? All of those things, if you don't get any resolve to that, if you don't get healed from that, then the older you get, the more stubborn you're going to become to change. Oh. The more stubborn you're going to become to deliverance. The more stubborn you're going to come. Because why? You learn how to live with your pain so deeply embedded in your DNA. That anything that resembles change of a change from this scares you. It scares you. You are afraid of coming out of this cave and seeing the sun. 
You've lived in the night. You like that, like just, just like the boy in the tombs, cutting himself. At nighttime, howling at the moon. Ooh. Right? People are like, she crazy. Let's, let's chain her up. And that boy popped them chains up and said, get away from me. And he's like, we won't mess with you again. Stay in the hills. <laughs> we ain't going to mess with you, brother. You go right up back up in the hills. Howl at the moon up there. But don't come down in the city. Stay up in the hills. Stay in the mountains. Go up, go up, go over there and talk to the, talk to the graves. When Jesus comes, Jesus brings a level of deliverance to him. Watch this. That after, now watch this. There's a night and day difference that happens. After he gets delivered, the Bible says he is found sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Watch this. But after this, he says, I want to stay close to the deliverer. So Jesus is leaving to go to the next city. He says, Can I, let me come with you. Jesus says, no. No. Was Jesus being rude? No. What was Jesus doing? Jesus said, your assignment is not to be one of my personal disciples. Your assignment is to be, is to be a disciple for this region. Because the demons that, that you've been wrestling with in the tombs, in the nighttime, all of the demons that, that, that were causing you to cut yourself and run around here naked are the same demons that control this region. So, so I don't, you're not going to be of help coming with me because this region has to get delivered from, from the stuff that, that came out of you. So now the stuff that came out of you, oh Lord, help me, is the thing that you, watch this, the stuff that came out of is the stuff you got to stay free from. Because if you don't, you'll start partnering again with the stuff in the region that is a stronghold for the city. A lot of us, the reason why we can't stay free is because we keep coming in and out of partnership with stuff that God delivered us from. So the Bible said, and don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Stay free from that stuff. Watch When your life looks like it's headed back there, it's time to fast and pray. It's time to get an accountability partner. It's time to tell, to, to tell the truth about yourself. Yes. All right. All right. Just, so he says, pursue. I ain't got time. Number two, overtake them. Say overtake them. overtake them. First thing he says is pursue. Second thing, overtake them. The, word, the, word, the words overtake them in the Greek means to overpower by coming upon suddenly or unexpectedly. To overpower by coming upon suddenly or unexpectedly. This means if you're going to overtake something, if you're going to overtake something, you need a strategy. You need a strategy. Say, I need a strategy. How are you going to pursue wealth and overtake Debt, debt, and low finances. You need a strategy. Not just prayer. I decree and declare money's waking up for me today. That's beautiful. But after you declare that, what are you doing in your spending? How are you investing your money? What debts are you paying off? The best way to deal with a debt is paying it off. Because what are you doing? You're eliminating the demon by paying it off with the money you got. You want to cast out some debt devils? Pay the debt off. I rebuke debt. I rebuke debt. No, pay it off. You can rebu you rebuke it by putting some money in that joker. I rebuke you debt. I rebuke you debt. That's looking at you like word. And all 20,000 of us is right here. You want to rebuke debt? Pay it, <laughs> pay it off. 
Like a lot of folks don't even realize that. Like a lot of stuff we do and a lot of stuff we say, and it is tradition. Yeah. It's tradition. I bind your spirit of low self-esteem. No, what you need to do is find out why you have low self-esteem. What, who wounded you? What words are spoken over you? And why can't you see yourself the way God sees you? See, the thing, see, because then you'll be able to say it with power and then it'll leave. The repairing has to be, like a lot of us are doing repairs at the surface level. So, so we cutting, we cutting, cutting flowers at the top of the dirt. Deliverance. <laughs> cutting flowers at the top of the dirt. Snap. Ooh, look at glory. Deliverance took place in my life on Sunday. No, you just snapped off the top. Yeah. It's a good start. But deliverance don't happen until you have a plan to dig deeper. Yeah. Mm. You got to go back to where this thing started at. Where is the root for your crazy spending? Where did it come from? Where the root of fear come from in your life? It didn't just come because you watched Jason versus Freddy. <laughs> Where did this come from? It didn't just come because you had a bad Halloween experience when you was a kid. Fear probably came because somebody else in your family had it. Because fear is not just a feeling. Fear is a spirit. So where did the spirit enter in at? So a lot of us got to do this. Holy Spirit, bring back to my recollection the first time that I encountered fear. See, if you spend time, if you spend your time bombarding heaven like that, instead of a thousand decrees, because your decrees are nice, but we, that's surface cutting. When you decree after you've dealt with a root, then you'll see some stuff happen. Because first thing I gotta do is I gotta uproot this. After I uproot it, then I can cut the head off. David first had to kill Goliath, then he was able to cut his head off. A lot of us try to cut the head off with a decree. No, I'm honest. I'm, I'm serious. And it's honest. A lot of us are, we have a thousand decrees every day. And in the name of Jesus, according to Jeremiah 22, I, before I was, I was in the belly, he knew, and we, it's good, it's good. But watch this. How many of those decrees have you really seen come to pass? It's great to keep, because it keeps your spirit up. But a, a decree, watch this, without having a plan uproot, is going to keep you going in circles. Somebody say, I need a plan. The plan that God gave, gave David was overtake them. All right, third one, recover all. Recover all. God tells him, recover all. Say, say recover all. The words recover all over here means to snatch out of the hands of another. So uh, give, me, give me the water bottle. Take the water bottle. To recover means that I, I have to, <laughs> yeah, please. Recover, <laughs> oh God. Recover means that I have to have more strength to pull away from her what she's holding on to for dear life. So to recover all means you have to have more strength than the one you're taking from. Think about this. You can't be weary and recover. I'm recover all. Lord Jesus, give me the strength I need. No. Before you go to recover, you got to get strength. 
a lot of us, the reason why we fail in recovery is because when, 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 we, when there's nobody after us, we don't increase our strength. How do you increase your strength? They that wait upon the Lord. See, when you keep going in front of God, your strength gets cut off. When you do stuff your way and God has another way he wants you to do it, you could very well be taking a long way to get to the short way he wanted he to take you to. God, this year, I'm going to fast 929 days. And God is saying, that's the long way. Just surrender today. You are on life support in 100 days. I'm like, if I don't get to the promised land with you, just tell him I went out like a champion. No, see, the issue is, the problem is, we do noble deeds that are full of works, dead works. Noble deeds full of dead works that, that take us to the same place longer. So, you can fast 40 days or you can surrender in one. You can be weak in 40 days. Oh, God, I got to eat broth for 25 days to get my strength back up. Or, or you can just tell God, I surrender this to you today. My mind is made up. I have a determined mind. I'm not doing this. No, I'm finished. And really mean it and ask God to help you. A lot of times we do a lot of this other stuff because it has been church tradition. I'm going to get powerful. I'm going to fast 45 days. What good is fasting 45 days to get power that you're not going to keep? What good, what good is God pouring, pouring oil into you as a vessel if you're broken and the oil spills out the same day he pours it? Eventually, the one pouring out the precious ointment is going to stop pouring. This is why people, people have, have fake prayer lives. What do you mean? I pray 85 hours today. Then when it comes time for them to pray for you, like I got a headache, can you help me? Father, in the name of Jesus. Nothing happening. <laughs> Ain't nothing happening. Ain't the headache getting worse because they screaming. <laughs> come out, headache. Come out, headache. Come out, headache. 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 You're like, oh, shut up. Why? Because the oil that was poured in, it was, it was poured in. But because the vessel is broken. Okay, what does a, a broken vessel look like? A broken vessel is a broken vessel because it can't contain what God is pouring in. It doesn't mean that you don't have the capacity. It just means that you don't have the ability to hold it. So, wounds are like gashes. Holes. Soul wounds keep the oil flowing out of you and you're never able to contain it. So now, okay, so Lord, I'm getting myself into something. What constitutes the soul? Mind, will, emotions. Any, anything that happened to you that created a, a bad memory for you is a soul wound. Anything that's happened to you that now causes your will to pull away from the things of God is a soul wound. Anything that's happened to you that you have not gotten healed from and you flare up at anger about it or you, or you go to the other extreme and you're just so depressed about it is a soul wound. So when you start praying, you start praying, 
God can't really deal with your emotions. What if God says, weep for the city of, weep, weep, weep for the city of Virginia Beach? You don't know whether you're weeping about Virginia Beach or if you're weeping because you're hurt. I wept for the city. No, you wept because there's some stuff that's still wounding you that you ain't gotten delivered from. So the enemy says, oh, yeah, you, you wept for the city. But meanwhile, you can't reach nobody. You can't get close to nobody. You don't have a heart for anybody but you because now you're so self-preservant and trying to keep yourself from ever getting hurt again. Now pride is the ruler now. Does that make sense? You, a lot of us, a lot of you need to just buy a book so you can deal with your hurts. You need to just get an empty book and just sit down and write down the things and the areas in your life that you know you got an issue with. Why is it that when somebody in authority tells me something and they're a little bit more forthright, listen, you need to stop. Why do I get so offended? Ooh. Why is it that, that, why is it that when relationships end in my life, I, get, I feel like I want to hurt somebody? Everybody can't be with you forever. And nobody will be with you forever. When I first started church, I was like, when I first started church 15 years ago, I was like, everybody, gonna, they're going to be with us forever. And the people, started, the people left and moved, and I was mad at folks. Like, why are you, the devil's a liar. And my spiritual father said to me, he said, listen, you need some healing. So why, I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's them that's the problem. He said, no, no, you need some healing. He said, every time somebody leave, leaves the church, it reminds you of your mother leaving you and your father. I said, no, nope, the devil's a liar. But I knew he was telling the truth, though, the devil's a liar. See, that pride, the devil's a liar. That ain't it. You wrong, man of God. That pride, I'm telling you, pride will kick you. You'll be like, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. Prophet Morgan came. She's like, one time she was taking me through deliverance. She said, she said, you need deliverance. You need, you need to get delivered because what your family did it to you. And I didn't even know her. She said, you need deliverance. She said, she said read the scriptures. I read the scriptures. Every day. I read the scriptures. And she said, read it again. I read the scripture. Read the scripture again. I read it again. Like 20 times. I read this, this, this three or four verses. She said, I repeat after me. I forgive my family. And, and this demon in me came up and said, nope. <laughs> she said, well, I ain't saying that. My wife was like, babe. I said, I ain't, saying, I ain't forgiving nobody. Because I wanted to go kill him. I'm telling y'all, see, y'all don't like when y'all, like, y'all don't like when the preacher's honest. This is my, like our second year, was, it, was that like our second year pastoring? So this had to be like what, like, like 14 years ago? And I'm, I'm preaching to people, people getting delivered. But meanwhile, I'm going home and I'm upset. I'm aggravated. I got issues. I had just enough oil to minister to people, but not enough to minister to myself. And the issue with, with issue with the church is we want to tell everybody else what they ain't doing right. And the devil is using you. Meanwhile, you don't have enough oil to go home and deal with the areas the devil's messing with you at. So you can't recover anything. You can't recover anything if you don't have no strength. But if I spend my time if I spend my time and energy getting free, getting patched up, getting made whole, and the vessel's made over again, I come out with strength. So when it comes time for me to take what's, what is mine, even if she has a grip on it, I say, no, no, this is mine. Did I hurt you? I'm sorry. Did I hurt you? Okay. She said, oh, this is mine. It's mine. Now, you can recover all that you have lost, but you can't recover anything if you're just as jacked up. And you need to be recovered. Yeah, okay. One more time. All right. 
I got five minutes. I got five minutes. Come on. All right, so, so watch this. So, so if you're David and, and his 600 men, your status at the line of Besor determines if you can even do any of those three things, pursue, overtake, and recover. They're at the line of Besor. They're right there at the brook of Besor. This is the line God says, cross this line and you can have everything, you can get everything back. A lot of us don't want to do the work so we can cross the line. So I have to do the work so I can cross the line. Whenever you refuse and you quit and you stop operating from a mindset of determination, the reward for that is you never get to cross the line. Let's go further. Abraham, go to Hebrews 11. Last one and then we'll close this. Uh, Abraham was a visionary. Hebrews 11. Abraham was a visionary. He was a man that crossed a lot of lines. He crossed multiple lines. David crossed that one line, but, but Abraham crossed many lines. He was a nobody, but God, every time he crossed the line, God upped him in the kingdom. Every time he crossed the line, his stock in the kingdom went up. So, so let, let me give you at least three lines Abraham crossed. The first line Abraham crossed was the line of the unknown. Write that down, the line of the unknown. The line of the unknown. This is the first, the first line that Abraham crosses is the line of the unknown. Hebrews 11 and 8. It says, by faith, Abram, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, watch this, not knowing where he was going. According to Hebrews 11 and 8, it takes obedience. Write that word down, obedience. It takes obedience across in the territory that you don't even know where you're going. It takes obedience to hear God say, go over there and I'll tell you when you get there what to do next. It takes obedience. Most folks are nosy. Tell me that I'll do it. Where am I going? What am I going to do when I get there? God tells him, I want you not knowing where you're going because I want to know from the beginning if you trust me. Look at how God starts the relationship with Abraham. He comes to him he doesn't even know God like that, but God shows up and says, trust me. Ain't that something that God shows up and says, trust me, and you've been saved for 20 years and still don't trust him? Lord Jesus. Say this, Abraham obeyed. When I looked at the word obeyed in Greek, it, 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 it means this. It means, this. It, means, it means to go to the door and to listen to who's knocking. Go to the door and to listen to who's knocking. It's like Hebrews 13 and 15. He says, today if you'll hear my voice, harden not your heart, watch this, as in rebellion. So God says, when you hear my voice, but you don't trust me, you operate in full, full rebellion. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So watch it. A lot of people are operating as witches in the church because they hear God, but don't trust him. We got a lot of warlocks and witches in the church. Because they, they are making something happen for them because they don't want to trust God to make it happen for them. So a witch is not just a person, and a warlock is not just a person who conjures up spells. As much as, as, as much as it is a person who makes stuff happen because they don't, they don't want to trust God so he can make it happen. I'll manipulate you to get money in my hand so that I, because I really don't want to trust God to wait on him to make it happen for me. So I'll tell you a fake story so you can get $20 in my hand when I really need 100 It's a witch. Some of y'all need to repent. 
Y'all don't like to hear that kind of stuff. Honestly, if you can't trust God from the beginning, then your whole existence with him is going to be a lie. So the question is, when God tells you something and doesn't give you the next piece, can you walk with him? What if God tells you, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do for you, and he doesn't give you a time frame? Because a lot of people in the church are guilty of putting a time frame on something that God didn't. We put a time frame on stuff that God didn't put a time frame on. And when God don't do it in a time frame that we connected to what he said, then we get upset with God. God said, I'm going to bring you out of this. You'd be like, yeah, in three weeks, God's going to bring me out of this. He never said three weeks. He just said, I'm going to bring you out. He never gave you a time frame. He just said, this is what I'm going to do. Why does God do that? He does that because he wants you to trust him even if he doesn't give you a time frame. Can you still walk with me and it seems like you still have a limp? You still hurt? Can you walk with me although your family has done dirty things to you? Dogged your name? Robbed you of inheritance? Can you still trust me to, watch this, to enact vengeance upon them and you don't have to do it for me? Y'all don't like that. The issue is the issue is not even about can you trust me. The question is, do you trust me? All right. Uh, Hebrews eleven eight says, "Watch this." He went out, not knowing where he was going. Abraham saw, saw God do great things because he could trust God no matter what. There's some place that God wants to take you to. In March. This month, there's some things God wants to do in your life. He wants you to experience something that nobody in your family has ever experienced before. He wants us, I keep saying this, he wants this to be the year first for you. Some of you, this month, God wants to prove himself to you. This month. But it, it's not going to come without trust. All right, all right sec, the second line Abraham has to cross is the line of the impossible. The line of the impossible. Say the line of the impossible. Hebrews 11, 11 and 12. Hebrews 11, 11, 12. Listen to what it says. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as a sand which, which is by the seashore. Abraham, Abraham was able to do impossible things, and he was able to cross the line of the impossible because, number one, he trusted God. How many of you know that God wants to do something? He wants to use you to do impossible things, break limitations, do things that have never been done. How many of you believe that God wants to do that for you? Whenever you start crossing the line of impossibilities, God starts breaking the rules for you. How do you get how do you get to the point where God is able to do incredible things like that for you? Write this down if you're taking notes. God has to stretch me. God has to stretch me. And stretching, stretching shouldn't hurt. You want to know when stretching hurts? When you're out of shape. When you're out of shape. Like, I was out of shape, and Bianca was like, come on, Dad, let's stretch. He was doing this, and I was like, oh, God, help me up. 
I'm out of shape. So I was like, oh, God, I can't do that. Today, we, we went to the chiropractor, and, and, and she does this thing where she says, she says I'm going to move your leg out. So, so I'm laying down, and my leg, she pulls the leg all the way out. Then she says, push back on me. Man, after, like, and she moves it, moves it out further. My leg was out here. And I'm like, in my mind, don't move no more. I'm being stretched, right? And I don't want to be stretched because it's uncomfortable. She's saying you've got to be stretched because it's going to help you get back in shape. And a lot of us don't want to be stretched because stretching pulls muscles. It don't, stretching don't always feel good. And a lot, somebody say, but I have to be stretched. Now think about this. A man and a woman have to believe God for children in old age. Nobody up until this point at ages 90 and 100 have had children. And they got to wait 25 years from the time God says it to them to the time they have one. The promised one. What if God told you that I got a house that's going to blow your mind, but you got to wait 25 years to get it? Like, oh, look at all of a sudden, oh my God, 25 years? Like, 25 years, what am I supposed to do in the meantime? Live. Live. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you how our minds have been so conditioned to, to, to be in a poverty mindset. God says, I have a house I'm going to give you in 25 years, right? He never said that I won't let you live in houses until I give you the house. So we automatically deduce, I'm going to have to live hand them out till 20, for 25 years. What if the whole 25 years you're waiting, God is setting you up by letting you live like a king and a queen to get you ready for where he's going to take you to? We don't even look like that because our mindset says, I'm going to struggle for 25 years until he puts me in where he said, no, between here and there, it ought to be a joyous ride. If God promised you that, then why in the world are you going to struggle between now and the time he puts you in the house? You know, you know what I'm going to do? If God said that to me, the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking for another house. If I live in an apartment and God said, I'm going to give you a house in 25 years, my thing is, prepare me now. Put me in a house. Like, how come we don't think like that? We don't think like that because, because a lot of us, our mindset has not been stretched. Our mindset, was just, you know what we do? I ain't got no money for no house. Did God say you had to have money for the house? We don't, and what we do is we automatically turn down what God has for us because our mind isn't, isn't there. How many things has God wanted to, wanted to do for you this year, but you shut him down because you started telling him how much you ain't have? I ain't, Lord, that's a lot of money. That's a lot. Like the other day, the Lord was talking to me about something, and I was like, Lord, and before I could do that, I said, no, no, I rebuke that. I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you. I'm going to have that. I thank you, Lord. I'm going to get that right there. I'm going to get that right there. I'm going to have this right here. I'm going to have that too. Why? I, my mind has to change. Stop saying, what, stop saying what you can't afford. Now, I ain't saying go out and get a loan and still can't afford it. But what I'm saying is this. Stop, stop telling God what he can't do for you. Stop telling God where he can't take you. Stop telling God where you can't eat at because there's too much money to eat there. A lot of our expectations are so low because we haven't had enough experience. 
Expectation will stay low when you haven't had experience. Save, save up some money on the, side, uh, on the side of your bills and save up to go eat at a Ruth Chris. And then, and then go from Ruth Chris to a five-star dining experience.